Hey, thanks for checking out the podcast. On this episode, I sat down with Bob Spadeholtz, who is a retired fish biologist, most recently with Portland General and Electric. Before that, he worked for years with the Warm Springs Tribe, and uh, he also worked in Utah with the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. So his time in Oregon, he worked on lots of projects around the Deschutes, anadromous fish. Um, so some interesting conversation there, and also some cool experience in Utah. So I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. All right, I'm sitting here with Bob Spadeholtz. We're out on the Oregon coast on a steelhead fishing weekend. Bob, thanks for taking the time to sit down here. You bet, Ed. Glad to do it. Um, we're having a hard time finding steelhead, but uh, having a good time, having some beers, sure. hanging out, fishing a lot. Yep. Um, so Bob, Bob is a retired fish biologist with PGE most recently. And uh, you, you were saying you also worked in Utah. Yeah, I worked for Warm Springs Tribes Warm before Springs Tribes PG. in Oregon before PG. And then uh, my early career, I worked for Cornell University. Okay, at a school. It was a research uh, field station. Okay. So I was like the field station coordinator. So okay. Employee of the university and grad students would come. So we... We'd, did a lot of the research that the professors had grants for. Then we uh, catered to the grad students when they came up to work on their studies. You were saying you did undergrad at Cornell, and then you did mm -hmm. your uh, postgrad at in Idaho, Idaho State yeah. University. Yeah. And then did you go back to Cornell to do some? Then of I went back here? to Cornell oh, okay. as an employee. Yeah. Okay. Does Cornell have a pretty big uh, fisheries program? Yeah, they do. Oh, okay. Uh, they have a number of different uh, field stations. Yeah. Cool. And you were saying that one of the projects you were working on was the acid rain mitigation? Yes. They, uh, it was, they, uh, many of the lakes in the Adirondacks had been impacted by acidic precipitation from right. all the what year, so coal what, plants. What year was this? That would have been the early 1980s, okay. 82, 83. Yeah. So... And I had actually worked there as a technician between my undergrad and grad school. So I worked for Cornell for two different stints. Okay. Grand total of about four or five years. Okay. So, cool. But yeah, they uh, many of the lakes that had native brook trout had gone basically extinct because of the acidity of the lake. So um, one of the potential ways to mitigate that was to add limestone to the lakes. Yeah. Basically big bags of powdered limestone and wow. spread it around with boats and it yeah. mixes in and uh, we were restocking with different strains of brook trout and then monitoring their growth and survival and also the water quality. Oh, wow. so, That's interesting. It's, it seems like the brook trout were, I remember reading about this years back that that seems to be really, they were really affected by the acid rain maybe more so than other Quite a bit. Fish uh, in other they fisheries, were, uh, yeah, because of the kind of Midwest Rust Belt kind of. Yeah. Is that what New England was, Northeast was getting that? Yeah, it's that? the basically the Adirondack Mountains is kind of in the um, weather pattern from all that Middle Western uh, industry. Right. So, and it's also a granitic um, bedrock. Okay. So it does not have the limestone and other oh, minerals kind of in it that neutralize the, the acid. So oh, wow. 
when the acid comes in, it, it affects it a lot. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, that's interesting work. Well, let's, yeah. let's go back to when you first were growing up. Where where did you grow up? You, did you I grew up in, in the western York? part of New York State. Yeah. Uh, a little town called Cuba, New York. Okay. And did you grow up fishing outdoors? I assume? Yeah, all the time. Like all yeah. Us that got into fishing. Yeah. Right. We were fishing all the time. Uh, probably my, I fished with my dad and. We basically every day in the summertime take our bikes up to a farm pond and go fishing or nice. something. Bass. And then my uncle, um, who oh we'd go visit probably a week or two in the summertime, was very much into fly fishing. So okay. he kind of took me under his wing and taught me how to fly fish. And was he fly fishing for trout at that point? Yeah. 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 He lived in over on. Uh, Kind of near Massachusetts on the eastern uh, New Catskills. York. Catskills. Catskills, yeah. yeah. Cool. So he'd take me there and we'd uh, get up real early, drive up to the river, and uh, he taught me how to fly fish and barked orders. And yeah. I think he took me because he could take my limits too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny to think about. So that was the we era with of two limits, fly so. fishing but keeping limits, huh? Like he was not point, of the catch and release mentality. Yeah, no, yeah, not, not so much. Because uh, my Aunt Kay would always make trout dinner when we'd go visit. So oh, nice. they had all those. So. so then, so you grew up, so you were fly fishing. Uh, probably not a lot of people fly fishing at that point. That no, you not really. Growing up. Yeah. I, yeah. Not so much. So, and then, and then you went to school planning to get into fisheries. Yeah, just I just kinda, wanted to yeah. kind of take it up and become a, a fish biologist. Cool. And I think a lot of it was we went to the state fair or one of those places, and they had the booth. Yeah. And the you know the the conservation department booth, and I wanted to do that, and they taught me how to tie flies and. At the booth, were they doing career kind of stuff, no, or were they just, just had some different did, resources yeah. for kids? And, yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, anyways, and then so I um, applied to Cornell University. They, yeah. they had a, a good program, and I got in. Cool. And then I got to work there um, at their field station. Actually, some of my summers too. Yeah. Up in the Adirondacks. So. Cool. There's there's a lot of. I don't know if people in Oregon probably aren't as familiar with yeah. New York, but there's some wide open, you know, forest wilderness in oh, yeah. upstate New York. There's some really cool country. and A lot of their work was on these great big uh, private uh, properties. Yeah. Several thousand acres that have like a number of natural lakes on there that yeah. were owned by rich folks. And, yeah. But they what they would do is allow the research to be done on their property and they've got good fishing out of the deal yeah so that's it was pretty good <laughs> private access and then when i work there then my time off i get to go fishing yeah so it was good yeah, so. that's perfect so then so then you did undergrad and went right into school in idaho or did you work kind of i between? did under undergrad then worked for the university for about two years okay and then went to graduate school, went back to graduate school, and kind of came to the west in Idaho. At Idaho State, you said? Yeah. yeah. And, and had uh, you fished out west before that? No. Okay. Wow. So that was a no. whole new so world out there. a whole there. new world. And yeah. then uh, I was very lucky that my summer project was at Henry's Lake. Oh, and nice. So I fly fished in Yellowstone Park, and I was 20 minutes from the Madison River. And yeah. 
that was back in the day when the fishing was pretty dang good. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I explored it later, but I yeah. thought it was pretty dang good when I when I oh, checked yeah. it out. So well, that's I what, can't imagine what it was like. They've done a pretty good 80s. job on keeping a lot of those yeah. in good shape. So. Yeah, yeah, it's an amazing resource, right? Yellowstone and but the whole area. The interesting thing is, is that my thesis project was introducing a Canadian brook trout to Henry's Lake. Oh yeah. And wow. back in you know my tenure, hatcheries were a big thing, and only using native species was not. It was yeah. just providing fishing opportunities. Right. So uh, we brought these brook trout in that actually had been um, the eggs came from Cornell. Oh yeah. Wow. My major professor was uh, the professor had had, had uh, um, my. Uh, Professor at Cornell is his mentor. So, anyways, they worked and out. And there a are deal. still brook trout in Henry's Lake, right? There's like some a, dandy brook trout yeah, in Henry's Lake. Cool. I was there last fall. So you were involved with the introduction of the fish into the lake. Huh? Well, the brook trout were already in there since okay. way on back, since okay. like 1900s or yeah. so. But they brought these Canadian ones in that were long lived. Okay. And the idea that Henry's Lake is so productive that the yeah. They already had seven pound brook trout and they're yeah. hoping to get oh, bigger wow. ones. So. Wow. And I don't think they ever got any bigger ones, but uh, produced some pretty good fishing. So Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's cool work to be working on. Yeah, and then since then they pretty much abandoned that program. They don't yeah, even stock any brookies. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting when I was in Wyoming, I feel like they yeah it was kind of their two thousands. There seemed to be yeah, a hard a, shift towards natives in Yellowstone of the times, and, yeah. and Grand Teton and the National Forest around right. Wyoming. It's, it's interesting. And it sim- seems to be going on in Oregon now, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Steelhead and red bands and the stalking brook trout is, right. is not, not a popular <laughs> yeah. practice at this point. Um, so, then, so then you went from... Um, School in in Idaho, yeah. To Utah was that your next next stop? No, I I had gone back to Cornell for a couple of years, oh, okay. and when I was working there, I just sort of lingered for the West. I always wanted to go back to the yeah. West. It yeah. got in my blood, so. And I had been uh, like when I was a graduate student, they had a list. I guess it was of you'd take a test to be on the Idaho, get hired by Idaho. And, oh yeah. I couldn't get on. I was just like almost there, but oh, like yeah. all my buddies are st- still there. And they, oh, yeah. um, anyways, but so still within the Idaho, Idaho fish department, fishing whatever department. It's called, yeah. yeah. So uh, when there was a job in Utah, uh, working on a place called Strawberry Reservoir, mm-hmm. um, I applied for that, got that, and I was um, essentially what we did was to. Uh, Take this lake, it was a, a, probably the most important freshwater fishing lake in Utah, It's about an hour it, from Salt Lake City. It's like a native, is it a native cutthroat? Well, it, uh, it had been a, a cutthroat and rainbow trout fishing, and yeah. uh, there were illegal introductions of non-game fish, so okay. the, the suckers and chubs, yeah. and the fishing plummeted you know they just weren't catching the trout anymore and so our as part of the project we actually uh, planned and 
put it, we wrote it on the whole lake. Oh, wow. And, and hundreds of miles of tributaries to get rid of all the non-native fish yeah. and got rid of every fish. And then we reintroduced the Bonneville cutthroat, which is native okay. to Utah. Yeah. Uh, and the, and then uh, we put rainbow trout in, but they were sterilized. They were triploid okay. and, and uh, sterilized so that they wouldn't hybridize with the cutthroats. And then we uh, put kokanee in there too for okay. forage for the Bear Lake cutthroat. So. And is that sort of the base of fish now still? I remember yeah. bonnetbills oh, have been in there. Yeah, they've been in there a long time. It's a pretty popular fishery since then. Yeah. It is, and they've, you know, they've gotten some fish in the 15, 20 pound size, wow. so yeah. it switch over. Wow, it's almost like a Lahontan cutthroat size. It's a very similar life history. Yeah. Bear Lake is the same way. Okay. You know, it's a a big isolated basin where they had forage fish and yeah. uh, cutthroat trout were piscivorous, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow, interesting. Anyways. So how long were you in Utah doing that? About uh, 12 years. Okay. So that's where I met my wife. So, okay, and then she's also a fish biologist. She's say? a fish biologist, and she worked on the Forest Service there in Utah. Okay. So, and then you, both of you, moved out here did. to Central Oregon first, yeah. yeah. And then you started working with the Warm Springs Tribe. Yeah. And I worked for them for five years, and then okay. um, got the job with uh, Portland General Electric. And what so. were you doing for Warm Springs? I was a fish production biologist, so okay. uh, we coordinated with the hatchery on their uh, steelhead and uh, spring chinook programs, okay. and then I supervised a bunch of tribal technicians who uh, we were, had uh, snorkeling surveys and screw traps. So in tributaries, we we wanted to monitor what the natural production was and yeah. how that interacted with the hatchery production. Okay. So. On the tributaries on the reservation? Is that on the tributaries on the reservation because okay. they still have a really good viable run of summer steelhead in the Warm Springs River and okay. the other tributaries. I've always wondered that driving along. <laughs> that well, yeah, when you river, come over yeah. from Portland, yeah. uh, that and Spring Chinook are, are still pretty oh, viable in there. So. Okay. And so then they supplement with hatchery fish. They and, do, and yeah. Just trying to figure out what the right level they do because they uh, they have a, a fishery on the lord to shoots the the uh, platform fishery at shears right that's right okay okay and then uh, and then how long were you with pg and e after um i was there the about 12 years so i guess oh, 12 well. years is my time frame yeah. on a lot of my job so, <laughs> so it adds up to be quite a few years when you put them all together but uh in my job with uh portland general electric i was the uh, aquatic habitat team leader okay. and uh, I had several projects one of the big projects was to look at the impacts of the um, hydro reservoirs on the Deschutes on the downstream uh, fisheries okay as well as on the uh, the gravel and sediment dynamics in the river so right, hydro Hydro reservoirs, have you said? Yeah, the Pelton Round Butte hydroelectric oh, okay. project. Okay, right, yeah, yeah. The, <coughs> the major reservoirs down there. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we, we did a, a gravel study looking at the availability because a, a dam can trap downstream gravels. Right. And the Deschutes is very important spawning habitat. Right. Um, so, 
And the salmon, I mean, especially for the salmon, right? The salmon Big time right for uh, fall Chinook salmon yeah. that spawn uh, right below the reservoir. Yeah. And then we were also, we were moving large wood downstream mm -hmm. uh, that came into the re reservoirs. And Which naturally the, would have come down through the came from the, or whatever, yeah. and, and with right. the dam, it just settles in the reservoir. So that's where um, we we would put the, we would bring the wood around, we put tags on it, and GPS where we set it. Yeah. And it wasn't anchored, it was tried to look like a natural placement yeah. anyways, as close as we could get below the dam. Yeah. And then whenever we'd have high water, some of it would move down river and we'd yeah. get to go track it, so... That was pretty fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's, <laughs> you were talking about a couple spots below uh, White Horse where it would get jammed up, particularly. Yeah. yeah, naturally, I'm sure certain areas would get log jams. And yeah, and so is that what you were working on for the bulk of the time with PG&E? Was quite a of, bit with that, and yeah. then also we had a uh, it's called the Pelton Fund, which was uh, twenty million dollars in several different installations. Okay that was designed to uh, fund, oh, like watershed councils and forest service to do habitat projects yeah. within the area upstream from the project that we were reintroducing uh, salmon and steelhead. Okay. Kind of to benefit the production and also to, it's a mitigation for the effects of having a reservoir there. Right. So one of my jobs was to um, review all the project proposals and make recommendations on which one should get the money okay so. okay it sounds like cool work especially being into fishing so yeah uh as a fisheries biologist central oregon cool place i mean it doesn't sound like you had had a lot of experience out here before you moved out here but um moving out working with anadromous fisheries right and, and, it was and, it was definitely a change for me to deal with anadromous fisheries because yeah. Before that, it was mostly inland fisheries. So yeah. I, I learned a lot, uh, particularly with my tribal time. I got a, kind yeah. of up to speed with it and uh, worked on a lot of studies on the on the river on Fall Chinook. And yeah. um, it's pretty interesting. To, uh, I was very fortunate that the time I worked there in the early 2000s was banner year for uh, particularly Chinook. Oh, yeah. That uh, we were getting... I think we had 12,000 Chinook back to the oh, wow. Warm Springs wow. hatchery. So to uh, go on those streams and just see all the thousands of yeah. salmon in the river was yeah. pretty neat. So oh, yeah. yeah, it's a pretty amazing system. It's a pretty amazing system. Yeah. So. And now you're retired and you're, you're yeah. loving being in Central Oregon, enjoying... Spending a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, all the good spots that I... Uh, used to know about or worked at i'd yeah. uh, like to go back and get to go fishing so yeah and, and branching out uh going to bc i've been to bc back oh, cool. throughout the west yeah. uh going to europe this year to uh, yeah, you were fish saying i want to yeah. uh, one of the things i like to do is to catch native fish in mm -hmm. their native habitat yeah so you were uh, saying marble uh, trout. You're going to be the marble trout is my Europe. and yeah. and European grayling, oh, okay. so riverine grayling. Which are the two native trout of that area? Pretty much, and where, brown where? trout are too. Oh, brown trout. So, so where yeah. where is that that you're going to be? Northern Italy. Okay, so cool. In the Alps area. So and 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 now I, I meant kind of mentioned this before, but being retired, you seem to be enjoying retirement. You're over yeah. here having a good time with us. 
fishing, yeah. not catching steelhead necessarily <laughs> today, but we're having a good time. I guess I fish steelhead enough now that I just, it's part of the game, you yeah. know, a lot of casts. And yeah. It's not as predictable, but that's fishing. So, is there a, is there a fishery that you have your eyes on? Just being retired, that you're hoping to get after in the next few years, or something you haven't done? Or? I want to. Well, I, I there's many that I'd like to do. Um, I'd like to go back to the Bahamas again and bonefish. I haven't oh, done yeah. that in a while. Um, I want to go back to New Zealand and trout fish mm -hmm. there. Yeah. Those are two and, good uh, options. <laughs> exactly. And I've not done the Alaska uh, fishing yet. Oh, okay. So, yeah. You know, that's a bucket lister. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Just now you have the time. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time to sit All down right. and talk with me, Bob. And uh, it was a great conversation. Thanks. Okay, Ed. All right. Follow Central Oregon on the fly on Instagram. See you there.